0: You're listening to Switched On Australia, the podcast that tracks the opportunities and challenges of electrifying everything, everywhere. Switched On is brought to you by the publishers of Renew Economy, Australia's best-informed, most-read website focusing on the green energy transition, and is supported by Boundless Earth, using philanthropy, investment, and direct advocacy to help Australia become a global force in a decarbonised world. Hello and welcome to Switched On. I'm Anne Delaney, speaking to you from beautiful Rockwell country, part of the Bundjalung Nation in northern New South Wales. And I'd like to start by acknowledging their elders, past, present and emerging. In recent years, Australia has witnessed a remarkable surge in rooftop solar installations. Over a third of Australian roofs now sport a solar array. That's around 3.7 million rooftop systems, and many of them on our houses. Currently, though, only a fraction, about 180,000, are also equipped with a battery, which means an increasing amount of solar energy produced on rooftops is getting exported back into the grid, for which solar owners have been paid a feed-in tariff. But this is now causing some problems for electricity networks. Too much power is going into the grid when the solar is pumping during the day, and not in the evening when many of us are at home and need to plug in or turn on our electric appliances. The electricity networks are trying to get solar owners to load shift by decreasing their feed-in tariffs during the day and paying them to feed in during the evening. The only way solar owners can do that, though, is if they have a battery. Norman Kozlowski is an independent sustainable energy advisor who's been advising his clients to buy a battery for several years. He says without a battery, solar owners are getting a raw deal for their solar power and things are only going to get worse because many will soon be charged for exporting their excess during the day. I started my discussion with Norman Kozlowski by getting him to spell out some of what's been happening recently to incentivize solar owners to get a battery. All right. So
1: they, they firstly, uh, we, we've had a, a decrease in, in what's called the feed-in tariff. So this is how much money you get for the unused solar that you send back to the grid. And uh, maybe three years ago, we were looking at, say, 20, 21 cents a kilowatt hour exported, we're now looking at five to seven cents. So there's been a a drop in the reward for exporting to the grid. And at the same time, we've seen last year, in particular we saw energy prices spike up 20%. And the third thing they've been doing over the past four or five years is they've been load shifting their revenue away from shoulder during the middle of the day to peak and off-peak. So they're moving their revenue away from where solar has been hurting them. And um, so what we've seen is solar households have been getting reduced earnings or credits from the system over the past few years.
0: And and so your concern, what's your concern about that? Because um, clearly, you know, this is probably the way that they, the networks want to go. Yeah, what they're doing
1: now, they've been... They've been ratcheting up the pain point. And so what they want to achieve now is they want to, from July 1, across all the network providers in New South Wales and ACT, so we're talking about 1.25 million solar households, they're introducing a two-way charging program model. What that means is rather than being paid now a small amount of five to seven cents a kilowatt for what you export during the day, they're going to start charging solar households to export to, uh, to the grid. And at the same time, they're moving the feeding credits that you can get to 3pm to 8pm. So between 10am and 3pm, they'll charge you for whatever you export to the grid. And between 3pm and 8pm, they will give you a feed-in tariff if you load shift your solar in a battery and release it in the evening.
0: And so will that, will that charge during the day, will that kick in after you've, you've actually supplied the grid with, with some kilowatts or it's just going to be, at what point will that kick in?
1: No, I think, there's, I think there's about six kilowatts you can export to the grid where they won't charge you, but you won't get any feeding tariff for it. It'll, you're giving it away for nothing. Um, and then greater than six, than six kilowatts will charge you. And that will be initially a small amount, to get everyone on board and get over the shock. And then in time, that will be ratcheted up.
0: And, and what do you think the consequences of that are? Because if people are actually being charged, I mean, a lot of people have put on quite massive solar, solar installations. What do you think the, the consequences will be? Look, the average
1: solar system today in New South Wales is 10 kilowatts. It used to be 6.6. And that's, yes, that people are putting bigger systems on because they're, gonna, they're planning for an electric car, they're planning to, to get off gas. And um, so we've got... And they're planning to get feeding credits by exporting that amount. So anyone now putting these big systems on without, without a battery is effectively losing half of the, the value of their system.
0: And, and, and potentially being charged for it.
1: And being charged for it. Now, last year, uh, we saw a massive spike in, in battery battery uptake mm. so there were 50,000 batteries that were installed last year which if you look over the past 10 years that was about 28 percent of all batteries installed were installed last year and that was because of the 20 percent spike in in power rates mm. so already that stimulus has sparked a, a, tri- a tripling or a quadrupling of the amount of of batteries going into the market and but what's scary if we've got point Seven million solar households, rooftop solar systems. By twenty thirty, we're going to be jumping up with maybe another two to two point three million solar systems on the on the grid. Mm. So whatever pressure we've got now is only going to be ex- extended and increased. So we've got to um, massively increase the amount of, of batteries. So so I'm working it out to to achieve to cover existing solar systems without a battery and new systems coming into the market, you're going to need about 300,000 batteries a year. We're now jumped up massively to 50,000, so we're going to see a spike. It might jump another 250,000 th- this coming year, but we've got to do, we've got to be able to install 300,000 batteries a year. And the question mark is, is there the sort of battery supply and is there the install Base to handle that kind of load
0: so so basically what you're suggesting is that the the networks are essentially incentivizing everyone to get a battery because you know nobody nobody wants to be paying an excess for the solar that they're producing
1: that's right well, look the grid can't handle any more solar systems installed one of the side effects of this massive surge from rooftop is that uh, there's not enough capacity for new solar farms to come on and connect to the grid so we've got a holding pattern, we've got a whole bunch of farms that have been, have been installed that can't actually access the grid. So we've now seen a massive drop-off in forward, forward systems being installed. So we need to get on top of this. So they've got to make a battery a need to have, not a nice to have. And what they want to do is they want to get everyone load shifting their, their solar capacity during the middle of the day, which is stressing the grid, and moving and releasing it in the evening when the grid needs more power, and and we've got twenty gigawatts of of solar power on people's roofs that the the grid can't get access to. Um, so this is actually a positive if we could get that that that, that a number of, of solar systems installed with the battery, we'd have a it's equivalent to to the largest solar, uh, solar farm in, in the country or twice the size of the largest solar farm in the country.
0: Mm. Osgrid has been running a, a two-way charging program in New South Wales for the, the last couple of years. What's the upshot of that?
1: Well, that was the trial program to, to see the implications of it and so that w- whatever they were looking for, the, the program proved positive and now they're rolling out with uh, to everyone from July this year.
0: And, I mean, has there been enough publicity about this, do you think?
1: Well, no-one knows about it. Um, <laughs> you know, there hasn't been any discussion about it. And so you'll find bill shock. People will find in September when they get their, their winter bill um, that they've got no benefit over the, out of what they've been exporting and they've got a huge spike in their, their power bill cost. And that's when we'll see a trigger like last year we'll see a massive increase in, in battery installations. Last year with that big spike... Um, you know, nearly one-third of all solar systems, of all batteries were installed last year, it was still only 20% of all solar systems installed. Mm. So we've got a, a way to go yet. If you tripled the amount of batteries from last year to this year, so maybe 150,000, you're still talking about maybe only 60%, uh, 50 60% of new systems.
0: Mm. So Norman, what, what are you advising clients to do? How are you advising them, knowing that um, knowing that they probably should put on a battery for their own needs, but also knowing that they may not be able to access one?
1: Well, look, I've I've been an advocate of batteries for years. When the moment Tesla introduced its its Powerwall two, the first second generation battery, back in twenty seventeen. I've been most of my customers have installed a battery, but that's just because I've I talk about it. Um, what we've got is a, a solar market where where um, solar companies are, are, are disincentivized to talk about batteries because it's they're only going to scare off their customer base by doubling the system cost, and so the, the, the mantra from the solar industry has been. Uh, don't get a battery now, they're too expensive. Mm. Wait for the price to drop. And in the last, in 21, 22, we saw um, a massive spike in the cost of batteries because of the shortage of lithium in the market. So while they were telling people not to buy batteries, battery prices were increasing. And we've just seen a drop now for the first time at the start of the year, that uh, lithium prices have dropped. And so we've seen a a drop of a couple of thousand dollars in the price of a battery. So this is a window where... It's the best priced battery market that, that the market has seen for maybe three years. And, it, and there's supply and there's install capability. So, my response to customers is this is the perfect window. Early adopters always win. If you jump in now, you'll get a battery straight away, you'll get it installed straight away. Once, if you wait till the, the bulk of people are, are stimulated by, by pain and carrots to, to install a battery, we're going to see multi year wait lists. To install a battery. I mean, right now, if you want a, a Toyota, a new Toyota, you've got to wait two years to get one. Well, I think battery weight lists will be much bigger than that.
0: Mm. So, have you calculated what the the payback period will be for people who buy, um, you know, an av- av- average um, size battery now?
1: Look, I, I don't. It just depends on what they what they offer in July. But I can just talk about the the Osgrid trial program over the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was fast tracking payback by about two years, right? And, and I and my customers who installed that program had zero power bills and, and had between one and two thousand dollars of, of credit per annum.
0: So sorry, over what period do, will they be able to do that?
1: This is the, the results of of the trial program. My customers have said have gone from paying a power bill to paying a zero bill, and getting actually credits which they can transfer as bank transfer as as revenue.
0: Right. I suppose what I'm trying to ascertain is most people talk about the payback coming from a battery would be eight, nine, ten years. Surely, if if you're getting money back, well, you'll be you, that. That's the gonna...
1: trial program. Uh, if that was ex- if that was extended, that was the benchmark. Mm. Uh, um, I I've projected power bill um, savings for solar plus battery, a new system, of about six years. Right. Because you're changing the model, you've, you've got to stop looking at solar now as a way to reduce a power bill, and change the paradigm and start looking at itself as a solar manufacturer. Yes, and that's capital equipment you're putting on your roof, and now and there's a market for it, a spot market. When there's a spike in demand because of a a, a coal power plant failure or a heat wave, when everyone's using their econ, you can the, the spot market for for power can jump to fifteen dollars fifty a kilowatt hour, and so it doesn't happen every day. It might happen ten or twelve times a year, but when if you add that on top of what you're getting for for release exporting your your battery unused battery power during the peak period in the evening. Combine those two together, and my customers are looking at fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars per annum credit out of their solar system.
0: That's quite extraordinary. So, so this is the way you see consumers and householders going into the future. That that as you say, we're, we're all going to become manufacturers or producers of of energy, and we're going to be buying and selling.
1: Look, I just think if if there's such a pressure on the grid at the moment, and there's more and there's more and more usage of of electricity in the evenings. Um, Saul Griffiths did some calculations, and and to electrify your whole household, get rid of your gas, and 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 get rid of your petrol, there's about a two hundred and eighty percent increase in in electricity use. So I just think if the if the industry is smart. Um, they've got a, the potential for a, a 20 gigawatt solar farm sitting out there on people's roofs already installed. And all they've got to do is get a battery in there to access that. And if they do it properly and incentivise properly, um, that may well help with as coal power stations drop. In 2025, we're looking at um, um, power coal power station cl- closing down. That's about 25% of New South Wales' power. Mm. From that power station, so there's been pushed by authorities and government to delay the closing down of that power station, but it's failing one third of the time, so it's well past its use by date. But there's an opportunity to put to put batteries into solar, existing solar households and and connect them to the grid and and use that extra capacity to offset any shortfall in new solar farms being installed.
0: How- Deceptive, though, do you reckon that the networks are going to be to us all becoming producers of energy? Because they, you know, they let's face it, they've been screwing us for years.
1: Well, again, if we're going to, um, everyone's going to increase their power usage by two hundred and eighty percent. There's going to be a hell of a lot of of demand there. So as solar and battery go,ing there's still going to be demand. We're, we're looking at at a, a massive change over the next. Seven years up to 2030, and we really, you know, the, the government wants to to, to see a, a 82% increase in solar solar in the system. So this is this is the opportunity for, for to to see solar households as partners, not as as um, as a revenue a revenue cash cow, and um, you know, as power needs go up, they've got access to that power. Right now, if there's a strain on a system, um, the industry's had to turn to a gas peaking plant to stabilise the, the, the grid. Mm. And they've been charging a fortune with their monopoly situation. And it's the same coal power manufacturers that are running the gas, the gas peaking plants as well. And here's an opportunity to get a much cheaper solution to stabilise the grid.
0: Mm. I mean, we already have a number of companies setting up virtual power networks. Can, can you elaborate on how these virtual power networks function and, and what consumers need to look at when it comes to joining one?
1: Look, the word VBP is being very liberally bandied around. They've, you've got some where they, they offer you a, a, an increase in your warranty um, and they offer you, a, you know, a small amount over the year, $100 over the year. Um, there's others that, that offer you discounted power rates and they pocket the, the trading revenue. Um, you know, there, there are some out there that are transparent that, that pass on trading revenue to you. So you need to ask the question, what kind of VVP kind of is it? What are they offering you? And you need to compare them all together um, and every year or two, there's a new entry in the market that, that's looking to buy market share and offering generous returns. And so, it's something that you need to be on top of. To, you know, what is good for a year or two might not be good down the track. Uh, solar households have to be flexible and move around uh, with whoever is offering the best return. Mm.
0: No, not everybody has the capacity to do that, though, Norman. How do you advise them in terms, I mean, a lot of people still, yes, they do want the solar, but they don't necessarily want to be part of this market. They, they just want the power for their house. Well, again, that's,
1: that's going to limit their, their, their return and payback. Um, just to whatever their power bill is, and you are still paying then a supply charge because mm. that's increasing every year. So that's limiting you to to about maybe eighty percent of your power bill, mm. or seventy five percent of your power bill. When you add a VPP to the program, if it's a bona fide one, well now you are flipping the the concept. And the 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 metaphor that I kind of use is with customers is that if you you've got no solar, you are just drawing from the grid. Um, you're effectively a power renter. so you're um, you're getting nothing back' you're, you're buying the, the, the power at, at, on the retail market. And after five years if you look back, there's no savings for you all or you, all the revenue has gone to the landlord. Mm. If you put in a solar system, you're going to cover maybe 40, 50 percent of your consumption. So you're like a half power mortgagee, half renter. Mm. If you put a battery, well now you're at maybe an 80% power mortgage and a 20% renter. Mm. And um but over time that 20% will will be will, will expand because the power companies are looking to, to load shift their revenue. And so, but if you if you go and take your solar and battery and, and join a compatible virtual power plant, what you're doing really is is setting up an Airbnb. It's equivalent to to having your kids leave home and you've got two spare bedrooms now and looking to commercialise <laughs> that empty space, and and with an Airbnb program, and there's and there's hundreds of thousands of households now offering their houses as Airbnb. They're seeing that as a revenue stream. You have to look at power the same way. You you want to self-consume, but that's not going to help you. You know you need to because you've got to you've got to pay a bit of money to put in a solar and battery system by integrating a, a VPP and and joining and trading on the spot energy market, um, you can now turn your your system into a revenue stream rather than just a a reduction in your costs.
0: Mm. Do you think, though, that every householder needs to install their own battery? What do you see as the role of community or neighbourhood batteries?
1: Look, there's a lot bandied around. There's a a trial program, a community battery trial program, but you're looking at shareholding of maybe 1.5 kilowatts in the in the system and I know that one community system, uh, farm was set up and what they're offering you is a, is a feed-in tariff of 12 cents but again if that's if we move into a two-way charging structure that that's going to um that's going to reduce radically as well because they'll still be um, facing the same two-way charging st- uh, structure So you've got to, if it's a solar farm, community solar farm, they've got to be looking at solar plus battery Mm. as well. So Mm. there's just no avenue for a solar-only system in the marketplace. The grid can't handle it. So there will be new community solar farms, but they're going to have to include a battery, a big battery, and, you know, I'm not sure then what the cost would be of entry, but that that would be a way for people who have no solar access, people living in units, um, that's or, or renters that's a way that they can be accessing some of the benefits but right now there's no solar uh, community solar farm with a battery mm. It's just a trial one with and you're getting one and a half kilowatts equivalent out of the out of the system It's something that, that the, the government needs to come board. We've got um, community housing infrastructure set up by government um, for those less well-off they have to probably consider also community solar farms for for those that are less well-off to allow them to get access to this change.
0: Mm. What about um, energy resistance for householders? I mean, I can see how batteries can also enhance the energy resilience of householders and communities. Um, How do they ensure a continuity of power supply during emergencies, for instance?
1: That's a very good question because global warming is already on us. We're seeing an increase in extreme weather events. We've had in the last three years, we've had, we've had fire, flood, um, strong winds. Um, just on the weekend, we had a, a huge storm that kind of came through. We had 75,000 lightning strikes yesterday in, in, in Sydney. Mm. And, um, and then you have power outages with all of that, trees coming down, so we're going to have a very unstable um, um, grid as we transfer across to to away from coal and, and gas. What 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 happens now? If you have a solar system only, um, you if the power grid goes down, your solar system goes down with it because it's connected to the grid. When you put a battery in and a backup system with it, what you're able to do is a switch to a pure off-grid mode, and you get power power supply, rechargeable power supply if the grid goes down. A lot of people don't realise that. They think if they put a solar system in, they'll have backup with it. And it's not. The battery is the only way that you can get access to a backup system.
0: On a blackout circuit, I presume?
1: Yeah. So it's a dedicated backup circuit. What it does is it switches from grid circuit to to backup circuit. And then you're offering – it's not covering everything. It's covering essential services, your fridge, uh, lighting, A PowerPoint to charge up your devices and run your computer, but but you're not going to be having anything more than that. You won't be running cooking infrastructure or aircon, you know. So it's it's but it's rechargeable. So if you had a grid out for for five days, you would you would be able to to keep on keep on um, covering all your your essentials.
0: Yes. So, I mean, there's a there is a lot to consider here for for homeowners. I mean, we're you know looking at future proofing, looking at becoming a producer of energy, and I suppose closer to home, right now, how, how do I keep the lights on and keep cool and cool and hot in relevant seasons?
1: Look, you you the way I I look at it, your roof is 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 farmland, solar farmland, and it's limited. So it's valuable and limited. So what you need to do is you need to become energy efficient in how you use your power. You need to look at introducing um, heat pump solar hot water tanks. You need to, to go from gas cooktops to induction cooktops and you need to look at the insulation of your house, the, the windows, putting um, shading or putting retrofit double glazing into a, into a household, at, at the very least on, say, the west side where there's heat load buildup. Um, You can put roof extraction fans um, in your your roof cavity that extract the heat load in the roof, which makes your your aircon run more efficiently and stop transfer through the roof into the house. So there's a number of things you can do to become more energy efficient, uh, uh, as well as putting on solar and battery.
0: Where do people start with batteries, though? Because I mean, there are different types of batteries, there are different sizes of batteries. I mean, AC and DC batteries. I mean, can you just explain the respective advantages and disadvantages of them? Sure.
1: So, so um, if you've um, if you've got an existing solar system with an AC inverter, um, so what happens is you've got DC power being generated on your roof, and the house uses AC power. So there has to be an inverter that converts that dc to ac and all the solar systems in the market have got an ac inverter that all those solar systems are uh, installed you know apart from the last year or two and um, so then you have to get an ac battery that has a hybrid inverter that can convert your ac power from your inverter back into dc for storage because batteries store in dc mm. and then back into the house in ac so that's an ac battery so it's going, it can retrofit to any existing solar system, but you're limited in choice and they might be slightly more expensive because they've got a hybrid inverter included in the battery. A DC setup, um, you're putting a hybrid AC plus DC inverter in. So power can either go into the house, DC to AC, or it can be transferred straight DC from the roof to DC into the battery and, and then can get converted back into the house when you need it or exported to the grid. So you, for that to happen, you need to have an, uh, an, in, installed a, high, uh, a hybrid inverter. And if you don't install a hybrid AC plus DC, then you can't access that pathway.
0: Mm. So just finally, Norman, what what do you envisage for the average house owner? Because let's face it, a lot of people who are renting aren't going to be able to do a lot of this. What do you envisage over the next decade, say, for instance? What, what What are our houses going to look like or what do you think they should look like?
1: Well, the government's talking about the average star rating for a house in this country is one star and they need to get everyone up to three-star. So uh, there's going to have to be some some regulations. Uh, Those landlords that are are leasing out a property have to meet some kind of um, resilience and and, and, um, capabilities. And so we need to have characteristic incentives for landlords to improve the the energy efficiency of the house they're renting or units they're renting. where we've got um, a program called Neighbours um, for this is for commercial strata you have to have it ordered and and get a star rating for the apartment block Mm. what we're going to have to see is that that model expanded now to to residential strata and so you're going to see a need to to improve the efficiency of buildings to to improve the value of the property if people start looking at 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 um, Buying houses or, or renting renting a unit or a house, um, they're going to have to advertise their star rating, and that in itself will will create a, a, a an improvement in in the value of a property, and that that'll provide another incentive for people to to improve their energy sustainability of their houses.
0: Mm. Just finally, Norman, are, are you hopeful that we can do this transition?
1: look uh hopeful with provisos we need to have massive incentives now for more installers to handle this extra spike in in demand for solar and battery uh you know that's that's clearly going to be a stress point um we need to look at at manufacturing locally if there's a global um, demand for for batteries and and batteries are are needed for electric cars as well so we're we're seeing a 40% increase in electric car growth across the world per annum. We're going to have to look at how we can have energy security by manufacturing solar and battery systems locally.
0: On the other hand, you know, rather than putting in a a home battery, a, a lot of people are waiting for their electric vehicle because that battery clearly is going to be so much bigger than what a home battery will be, it, it, would you advise people in that way or not?
1: Look, it's not available at the, uh, at the moment. There's been a trial in South Australia. There are only about three or four cars that can actually do it. But the, the problem is if you can export from your battery to cover your power usage in the home, you can also export that, that capacity to the grid. And so the, the authority is not going to do anything that encourages more export demand during the daytime they're going to be looking at, at at what can be released in the evening. So I think when the grid becomes stable, we need more transmission lines, and more robust system. That's probably going to be a model that might come into play by 2030, but it's not something we've got to be banking on over the next seven years.
0: Norman Kozlowski, thank you so much for joining the Switched On podcast today. My pleasure. And Norman Kozlowski is an independent sustainable energy advisor from Sky High Energy Control. That's it for Switched On for another week. Next week, we'll be looking at a growing and potentially massive problem with embedded power networks. In theory, embedded networks are supposed to provide bulk buy discounts on energy and water for people living or working in strata buildings. But as we'll hear, in reality, many owners are now being locked into contracts they have no control over, can't get out of and at inflated prices. Join me for that next time. I'm Anne Delaney. See you then.